we're starting a series this year uh, on Wednesday nights. It's called, it, it's, it's just called How to Be Willing and Obedient, all right? How to Develop a Willing Heart is, I think, the title of it. And having a willing heart is so very important. We saw one of the foundational scriptures in the 110th Psalm is the Bible says that the people of God will be willing in the day of his power. In other words, our willingness is tied to God being able to manifest his power in our lives. And as we get into this, this willing and obedience thing, you know, we're going to see some big things. Now, this is, this, is, this is church, and this is an equipping. So we're going to get into what the Word says. Now, I said something, willingness, you know, that's a matter of the heart. But then there's also this other part called obedience, and that's how you walk it out. And, and I'll tell you, obedience, that's kind of a four-letter word in our society today. Because people go, well, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, we're going to see some principles on how that is not a good way to live, right? And so we're going to talk about these things, and it'll help you tremendously in your life. Isaiah chapter 1, let's go right directly to verse 19. Isaiah 1, 19. Now, this is message 4. So if you haven't listened to the other three, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to those because there's a lot of stuff in there that'll help you. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19 says this, if you, and it starts out with if, so in other words, this is up to you. This is completely in your, in your ballpark right now. If you be willing and if you be obedient you shall eat the good of the land. In other words, your part is to make a decision to be willing and obedient. God's part is to see to it that you eat the best that the land can provide. Okay? So we said a couple things of how there's a direct connection between God's power manifesting in your life and your willingness to yield to him. A direct, a just, it's a direct connection. Your willingness to yield to God is what brings the power of God into your life. He wants to bring his power into your life, to change things in your life, so that your life looks the way the word says it should look. But it's, he's limited on what you do. You must be willing. You have to be willing to yield to him. Right? Because he gave you a free will. And he will never violate that. As a matter of fact, he will protect your right to do whatever you want to do. God, does, he's not a cowboy. He does not drive you. He is a shepherd. He leads you. And you have to choose to follow, right? So willing and obedient. To be willing and obedient. What does that mean? To fully believe. Right? to be fully obedient, to be fully committed to follow his ways, fully committed to follow his will and to follow his plan for your life. I'm fully committed to that. Does that mean that I will never make a mistake? 
No, 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 no. No. Remember, willingness is an attitude of the heart. God can deal with mistakes all day long. You choose wrong with him, you come to him, and he's like, okay, no problem. All that sin is paid for. You repented, you shut that door, let's go. Forget about it. Let's just keep going, right? But this is huge. You know, actually, I think what I need to do, let's, you're in Isaiah chapter one. Let me, I want to read a little bit here about the context of this. This just kind of came up in me. I want you to see what, what he was talking about here. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Look at chapter one. You're right there in verse 19. Go back to verse two. I want, to, I want you guys to see a picture of what God was dealing with because this is a picture of what we deal with, right, in our lives right now. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord hath spoken. Now this is what the Lord said. I have nourished and brought up children and they have rebelled against me. Now this is why he's saying, if you be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. This is, this is the context now. I've brought up children, but they've rebelled against me. Okay? Then he says this, God says this, the ox knows his owner, and the donkey knows his master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people does not consider. God is saying, man, even an animal knows who his master is, but my people don't know who, whose they are. Do you know how many Christians today think that they're their own person. But you know, if you're born again, you know you were bought with a price. Now, what am I talking about? I am talking about Zoe life. God is the author of Zoe life. And, and this being willing and obedient thing is the key to walking in it. Okay? Look at verse 3, or verse 4. Ah, sinful nation a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they are gone away backwards. Now in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this, that the children of Israel... Right, God said to them over and over, I've already given you this land of Canaan. Now there's cities there that are greater than you. There's people there that are greater and mightier than you. But don't worry about that. I've already given it to you. And they get to the place where they're going to go over. Moses sends 12 spies, right? And what happens? 10 of them come back with 10 reasons why we can't have what God said he gave us. Two of them came back with a report that said, absolutely, it's a good land, let's go take it. The Lord has given it to us. The people 
chose to believe the 10 and they all died in the wilderness. This is how serious this is. And this is happening in the church today. This is where this, this unscriptural sovereignty doctrine has come from. This no-fault gospel. Listen, if God wanted me healed, I would just be healed. Because he's sovereign. Right? Well, time out. Yes, he is sovereign. But he sovereignly set up Rule number one of sovereignty in your life is your will trumps his will. You don't, God's not, God doesn't manifest himself and say, you better not do that. Right? So this we have to learn. The Bible says that they did not believe that they could have what God said he had given them. And they, God called it literally a rebellious disobedience in, the, in a heart that was departing away from God. Okay? This is the same thing that it's saying here. They are gone away backward. So now, and maybe put up Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Because I can tell you, what burns in my heart as a pastor, Hosea 4, 6, um, what burns in my heart as a pastor is I'm always faced when I, when, I, when I meet people, I'm always faced when I talk to them about the fact that, oh my gosh, this person is really in a battle. They don't even know who their enemy is. They might think God's doing something and it's the enemy. They don't have much Bible knowledge, right? But let's, let's look at what Hosea 4, 6 says here. It says right there, my people are destroyed by a lack of knowledge. And boy, I'll tell you, on the surface, I'm like, okay, then man, if you've been around here, this is what we focus on, right? We preach the word so that people could understand it. But I could tell you the major problem in Christians' lives today is not a lack of knowledge, and it's revealed right in this verse. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Look at the next word. Because. Because you have rejected knowledge. That's the problem. Rebellion. Disobedience. I know what God wants me to do, but I'm just going to do what I want to do. Hello. And we wonder why we don't eat the good of the land. We read in the Bible that if we're faithful in something that's another man's, God will give us something that is our own. And then we get up the next morning and we go to work and we literally sit in our cubicle or wherever we work, in our factory or wherever we are, and we complain to ourselves about why everything is not fair and I, don't, I just don't like it here. And, and, you know, and then and we get around other people and we talk bad about this company. And all the time we're frustrated because we're like, why can I never, why can I never step in and get in the will of God for my life? 
It's because of rebelliousness. It's because of disobedience. And I would love as a pastor to say, well, you know, grace, grace, grace. And here it is. Grace is there. Way beyond your wildest dreams. But when you are disobedient and you won't be told what to do, and when you say no to God, you literally forfeit the grace of God until you make a decision to change. Guys, hear my heart here. You know I love you guys so much. 2023 is a year for you to walk free. But you're going to have to be willing and obedient. Right? To yield to him. So when he tells you, I need you to straighten up this area of your life, yes, sir. Right? See, here's the thing. You're either going to be pressed into the mold of the world, right? Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed into the image, right? The mold of the world, basically, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're either going to be pressed into the mold of the world or you're going to be transformed by the word of God. The decision is going to be yours, right? This is so important that we see this. In other words, the world is going to press you to act just like the God, small g, with emphasis on very, very small, Satan. He's going to press you so that you manifest and act like him. Well, I can't believe they did that to me. That's exactly the way he would act. Or you're going to allow God to transform you so that you act just like Jesus. That's going to be the whole game in every, every area of your life. We just took an aerial view of everything. You're going to see when we talk about obedience, what does it say in Isaiah? If you're willing and obedient, you will eat or consume the good of the land, right? Let's keep going with that. Go to, go to verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So here's, here again, don't shoot the messenger. There are two places You are either obedient or you are disobedient. You're not middle. If you're obedient, you are going to eat and consume the best that there is. If you're disobedient, you are going to be eaten. Now, I could preach this because, man, I've been eaten. So I've eaten and I've been eaten and eating is better. Right? I've been, I've been bound and I've been free. Free's better. Well, you know, God, maybe he put this sickness on me to teach me something. Okay, let's solve that. What, what do you learn from sickness? That being well is much better. We don't need to go through years of torment to figure that out, right? 
So this is why this teaching is so very important. Because your father, literally, he wants to empower you and energize you to be obedient. Everything is behind you being willing and obedient. And if you'll stir yourself up and feed on the word of God and shut your mouth to speaking death and open your mouth to speaking life, you will eat. But if you open your mouth to speak death, guess what? You're going to be eaten. Have you ever been eaten? All of a sudden, you're in, you're in your life and you're like, man, there's no way out of this. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And I'm upset, and I can't believe why this is happening to me. And it's not, and does that ever get better? Nope. Why is that? Because Proverbs, Proverbs tells us life and death is in the power of your tongue. That word power means it hands you things. So here, our, our children's pastor is here tonight. What's that? A thousand dollars. So, so, I mean, this is how smart Pastor Teresa is. God is saying, I'm setting before you life and death, blessing and cursing, right? Then he gives you the answer. So choose life, and how you choose it is with your mouth. So what do you want to do? You'll take life. There we go. Isn't that, that's how easy this is. Because, well, I, I just am not strong enough to be obedient and willing. No, that's not true. Because you see, well, I'm sorry, that is true. You're not strong enough in yourself, but you're not to be strong in yourself. You're to be strong in the Lord. Okay, Pastor, well, enough about this. That's Old Testament. Right? Well, let's, let's try one in the New Testament. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I'm not meddling. I didn't even plan on saying any of this. And when I'm speaking to you, guess who the first one is hearing? It is me. Look at what it says. It brings it right up. It goes from the Old Testament right to the New Testament. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Who is your dad? For this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise and in case you haven't forgot the commandment, that it may be well with you and that you, may be, that you may live long on the earth. That sounds a lot like if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Doesn't that sound a lot like that? Wow, what a coincidence. All right, so let's keep going. You know, maybe just say to yourself, I am so glad I came tonight. <laughs> because this is the thing the word of God it, it literally when you know the truth it brings freedom into your life it's not hard to be willing and obedient according to the word of God that's a rest what is hard is the way of a transgressor see you don't want to be like Satan don't tell me what to do. I'm my own man. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. Guess who? He was the first one to do that. Satan. That sounds exactly like him. He abides in death. What is Jesus? My nourishment, my strength, my will, everything 
is to do the will of him who sent me. He walked in Zoe life. There's freedom in doing it God's way. Because see, here's the thing, guys. You might think this doesn't work. Because you've been, you've been playing with it. But you don't really get it in your heart. But this is not subject to change. Man, I'm telling you, when I learned that, I'm like, wow. Now, now, listen, your flesh will hate it. That's how come you got to throw that sucker on the altar. It's a living sacrifice. You know it's living because every time somebody cuts you off, every time certain people come into your life, you want to get off the altar. Right? So let's go to Philippians chapter 2 before I meddle too much. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 this series is going to help us so much because the more you get willing and obedient, the more life you're going to walk in, the, the better of the part of the land. See, God will believe, see, some, God wants to redefine what you think is good, the good of the land. You might think the good of the land from where you're at right now is just paying your bills. And that's great. Start right where you are. But I'm telling you, there's, it's unlimited. Because it'll get to the point where it's a better apartment. Where it's, wow, you know, now we're going to go rent a condo. Or we're going to rent a house to, man, you know what? I'm going to believe God that he's going to provide a house for me. And, and with a mortgage. And then all of a sudden, no, I'm, I believe God he's going to provide a house without a mortgage. And, and then you think, wow, my dream home is a three-bedroom, two-bath. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, wait a minute, a five-bedroom. And you'll keep going until all of a sudden, I'm believing God to buy three houses this year so that I can disciple people and give them a place to live while they learn how to believe God. See, God wants, he wants to expand your boundaries, but it all comes from being willing and obedient. I'm telling you guys, your father wants you to eat the good of the land he wants you to do it so that he can show the world who he is. Right? So when somebody's in financial trouble and you bail them out because of how God has blessed you, and you could say, listen, thank you for thanking me, but this came from God. He put it on my heart, and, I, and, and God has blessed me, and that's why. See, here's the thing. The love of God, the, the first manifestation of the love of God is giving. For God, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. It doesn't matter what situation you're in. If you're born again, listen, if you're in need, getting that need met is awesome, but it would be nothing like you meeting somebody else's need. And that's where God needs to get us. But we've got to get willing and obedient. We've got to get this disobedience and this rebellion out. We've got to make a decision to walk away from that. So look at Philippians 2, verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
fear and trembling, with a reverence and an honor and a respect for God above everything else in your life. Notice Paul writing to these Philippian Christians. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but even, but now much more, even in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In, in other words, don't try to work out somebody else's. Don't sit here and go, wow, this is such a great message. I sure wish so-and-so was here because they really need to hear this. Right? That's probably your own personality trying to divert some things. Look at this. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now this is, we, we put it in chapter and verse to study it, but this was a letter. So you could say it this way. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which works in you. This word worketh in you, that means, in the Greek, that word means he energizes you. So God is energizing you for what? He's all, he's in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That word pleasure means his good purpose. So the Amplified Classic, if we could turn, uh, pull up the Amplified Classic if you have it there. Of verse 13, look at what this says. This brings out the Greek so beautifully. It says, not in your own strength. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, but don't work it out in your own strength. Not in your own strength. Why? For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you energizing and creating in you both the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction. God will energize and create in you, look at this, the power and the desire to do, to be willing and obedient. I want you to see that. God will help you. So what are some things you can do? Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. Let's look at these three verses. Man, isn't that cool that your father, by his spirit, will energize, he'll empower you on the inside, and he'll birth a desire in you to want to do his will. To want to, be, to want to be willing, to want to be obedient, to fully yield to him. This is why many Christians have inner turmoil. Why? Because they press that down because they just, they just, I, I gotta be real. I just, you know, I'm just gonna be real. I just gotta say what I gotta say. That's not gonna help you ever. Because, see, you're opposing the truth of God's word. And nothing opposes his word. Right? Did you notice? Hold your finger there. Did you notice in the Garden of Eden, God creates this garden for Adam and Eve. And the serpent shows up to talk to Eve 
And the first thing he starts talking to her about is why, why is it that you can't eat of this thing, or eat of this tree? He always, he doesn't talk about anything else. He talks about, he's talking to you about you, why can't you do what God told you not to do? Isn't that, isn't that what the enemy will do with us? He'll always talk to you to try to get you to do what God says not to do. So what does the word sin mean? It literally means to miss the mark. Well, what's the mark? God is. Who is God? He is life. If you miss the mark and you miss life, guess what it is? It's death. So look at this, or Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So first of all, if you want to do this verse, you're going to have to see more than yourself. I am surrounded by my church family. I'm surrounded by believers. I'm in, actually, I'm encompassed. So that not, that's not just here, that's heaven. Man, think of all those of my brothers and sisters in heaven that went before me that were willing and obedient and they walked it out, right? I think of right now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are up in heaven. Daniel's up in heaven. And man, they're, they're looking at the, they're, they're in the stadium of heaven. They're watching our lives going, believe God. Don't give in to any man. Don't give in to what the world says. You, don't worry about going in that furnace. Man, I've been in that furnace. It's awesome. Jesus is there. Right? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Do you ever notice when you're going through something? You think, I'm the only one that's ever gone through this. Nobody knows, nobody knows how I feel. That's just not true. So when you see this, it says, let us lay aside every weight. Oh, Christians carrying all these weights. This is a burden. This word weight literally is a burden or a hindrance. Weights are anything that hinders your spiritual growth. You got to lay it aside. And also lay aside the sin which does so easily beset us. This word beset means it presses us on every side so it's hard to get away hard to get away from it. Now, you got to get a picture of this. You've seen this before, haven't you? Where I've brought people up here and I've surrounded myself, right? Do you realize when you're, surra you're surrounded by the sin that does so easily, it easily surrounds you so that escaping it is hard. But now, wait a minute, time out, what does it say? Let us lay it aside. So when you get surrounded with it, do you realize... In the midst of it, you're trying to figure out a way. How am I ever going to stop this addiction? How am I ever going to get free from this? And God's saying, just lay it aside. How do you get rid of it? 
Father, I thank you that it is written, whoever the Son has made free is free. So, Father, I thank you. I'm free from this. While everything is, is on me, when I say that and believe it in my heart, guess what? I just laid it aside. Satan doesn't want you to know that anything that you've been fighting, that you just can't seem to overcome, it's as easy as you to lay it aside. How hard is it to lay something aside? Right? You know, I'm carrying, man, I'm carrying this thing of breath mints. I, I just think I'll lay it aside. I have complete a power to lay it aside. You have complete power to lay all this stuff aside. Lay aside every hindrance, every burden. Aren't burdens real? You know, most burdens are what could possibly, like what you're in now and how it could affect your future. It's a burden because I don't see it getting any better. And there's no possible way that I could see what I need to happen. Just lay that aside. Believe God. Yes. Right? He makes a way where there is no way. Every time. Right? He opens doors that no man can shut. Every time. He blesses the work of your hands. Your path is one of increase. Right? And it says here, and let us run with patience. So we run our race with patience. This means with endurance. I have this fruit of the Spirit. It's called patience. Every time I'm pressed, I get more endurance. The harder the enemy presses, the more endurance I have. It's a supernatural fruit of the Spirit. It also provides for me single-mindedness. So the more the enemy throws a million things at me, the more I'm single-minded on, it is written, it is written, it is written. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what I feel like. I don't care what I'm seeing. I don't care what I'm, what I'm hearing. This is what God said, and that's all I need to know. Run your race with patience, but you can't do that if you got all these burdens, hindrances, and sin. You can't lay aside anything if you're in sin. Why? Because you have no confidence. God wants you to have confidence. Boy, can you just feel what I'm feeling? Everybody's like, look at this. Run with patience the race that is set before us. How do we run it, though? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, not ever looking at the problem. Whatever you look at, you'll begin to look to, and it'll become a source in your life, usually a source of frustration, a burden, because you can't say what you don't see. So you can't, you can't look at your problems and speak the word of God because you're not seeing the word now. But oh, if you'll get your eyes off the problem and run your race Looking, looking at Jesus, look at what it says here. Looking unto Jesus, why? Because he is the author. That means he's the initiator. He's the finisher. This Greek word means he's the developer of our faith. We look at him. 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, you consider him the one who is triumphant and victorious. The, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. If you don't, you're going to be wearied. This word means sick and faint. This word means exhausted in your minds. We run our race. How do you look at Jesus? How do you fix your eyes on Jesus? He is the word of God. Right? That's how you do it. In Romans 12:1, it says this, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, that's great. How do I do that? Romans 12, 2, this is how you do that. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world, don't let these outside thoughts, associations, all the circumstances that are going on in your life, don't let them press you into the mold to start looking at things that the world looks at and start considering and start thinking like the world. Don't let that happen. But be transformed, be changed, be transformed by the renovation of your mind, the renewing of your mind. Let, what renews your mind? Only one thing, the word of God. You could think you're the biggest failure in the world. You just start meditating on 1 Corinthians 15, 57. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, right? He always gives me the victory. He always causes me to triumph. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things are possible to me because I believe him, right? The renewing of your mind is what will change or transform your thinking. Paul is saying here in Romans 12 that literally the renewing of your mind, this mind transformation to where you start thinking like God is the key to walking in victory in every area of your life. Well, what does victory look like in every area of your life? Eating the good of the land. So renewing your mind will bring you to a place of being willing and obedient. Now, you might be sitting here tonight going, you know, I am. That's great. But keep looking at the word because the word has a way of showing you things that maybe you don't see. Right? Man, you think you're doing real good and then all of a sudden, boom, the word will shine a light on another area of your life. And, and I'm telling you, every time that happens to me, I get excited. Because... I'm like, okay, this is more freedom. Man, I thought I was free, but now I'm, I get more freedom. That's the way you need to be, because God loves you. See, I, and I told the men this, we're kind of talking about the renewing of your mind on, on, in our men's Bible study, but it's not enough to read the Bible. Now, most Christians don't even read it. But you've got to renew your mind to the Word of God. You've got to meditate in the Word of God which means you got to diligently seek him. Christianity is not a peripheral thing where God's just a part of your life. No, God is your life. 
What do I mean, renew your mind to it? When you have a situation in your life, you find your answer in God's word, and then you renew your mind to it. If you'll find your answer in God's word and renew your mind to it, then you will walk in the victory that the word says he's given you. That's how, but it doesn't happen if you don't do that. You must renew your mind to the word. This is not, see, this is, this is not intellectual. I don't have to compete academically with Pastor Edwin this way. Right? I might not be any match for him intellectually. But spiritually, bring it. Right? Why? Because the same Holy Spirit that's in him that reveals is in me, and he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't reveal more stuff to pastors. No, no, this is whosoever will. So you must get God's word down on the inside of you. Why? So that you can reckon yourself to being and having what God says you are and have. Why do you need to do that? So you will not buy what the world is saying that you are and that you have to have. Right? See, once you do that, now you could throw that body on the altar. Now you could yield to the word of God. So this is a huge, huge deal. So the difference between being conformed to the world or transformed is who, who are you going to give into? Are you going to let the pressure from the outside define you? Or are you going to let who God says you are on the inside define you? Right? I love this. Hallelujah. Boy, that clock is going really fast. Let's talk about it from another scripture. Let's go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 7. I love this one. If you abide in me, this means remain in me, and my words abide or remain in you. See, the enemy's going to try to get you to doubt the word so he could steal it. But no, you got to let the word dwell in you richly, remain in you. It says if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will. Whatever you will, if you be willing and obedient. See, what happens when you're abiding in him and his words abiding in you? Your willingness to do is what he, exactly what he wills you to do. In other words, your will and his will become one. And it says right here, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It, it has to say it that way. Notice it doesn't say, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. It doesn't say that, does it? It says done unto you. You know why? Because it's all already been done for you. The finances you need, the direction you need, the business that you have in your heart, all the healing that you've ever needed, it can't be done for you because it's already been done for you. Isn't that good news? It'll be done unto you. In other words, God is up there right now. He's watching. He's watching over his word to perform it or to do it unto you. 
So that's why we got to get the word abiding in us. So many Christians, I mean, think about this. They're not a viable part of their church family. They're never in the word. And what I mean by that, some of them get up every day and read the word and they're never in the word. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of a little religious exercise. I got to read my two chapters in the Bible before I go to work. And you ask them three minutes afterwards, what did you read? I don't know. Because it's not enough to read it. You got to renew your mind to it. So, so, so don't think to be healed, okay, I got to find 50 scriptures because, man, Pastor Tony, he goes through all these scriptures and I need to have 50 scriptures right. No, 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 no. Forget about meditating on 50 scriptures. Meditate on one, maybe two. That's it. Carry them around with you. Keep rolling them over and over and over out of your mouth. And all of a sudden, that one scripture goes off in your heart. It'll change your life. That's what we're talking about. Oh, there's so many Christians that never open their Bible. And then there's other Christians, thank God they open it and read it, but their heart's not there. They're bitter. They're, 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 they're not walking in it, and they're questioning it. Even They don't even realize it. But they're reading it going, why won't God do anything for me? Why is my life the same? You don't get anything that way. Nobody gets anything that way. What you have to do is come to a decision that I'm going to fully and willingly be obedient to God. Because he, here's, here's the thing, guys. I hope you leave with this. Listen, if you're not obeying God right now, this is what it is. This is right what it is. It's because you don't really believe him. But let's go a little deeper. If there's any disobedience in your life, it's because of this fact. You ready? This is worth you coming tonight. It's because you really don't trust him. You don't trust him, you don't believe him, so you don't obey. Right? This, that, that is so life-giving, what I just said. Listen, if, you're, if, you're, if your life is full of inner turmoil, I lived with inner turmoil for, for years, and you don't have to. God loves you. You give it all to him and go, listen, all I'm telling you is I want to make this work, and I, it never works for me, but I'm just, I know, I, I'm just making a decision. I know you love me and I know you're good. Now, I, I, I'm having some trouble here, but I'm willing. I'm just gonna start. I, I'm, I'm gonna take you at your word. You just make that decision. I had to make that decision. My big faith statement was literally, sink or swim, live or die, I'm gonna trust you. If I die, well... I grew up Baptist, so I know I'm saved. Right? And I'll just drag myself to the gate, you know, just all beat up and what a mess, but praise God, I'm saved. 
I finally made it, now I'm saved. No, then you learn a little bit, and it's like, thank God for my Baptist brothers that helped me. But now I just, now I realize, wait a minute, wait, oh, that'll happen the moment I accepted Christ. I don't have to wait to get to heaven to live days of heaven. But realize that, guys, if there's any disobedience, if there's any unwillingness, there's something in your, in your fellowship with God, there's a lack of trust and there's a lack of belief. So what do you do? You hang out with them. You just start walking with them. You start living with him. Right? Jeanette and I, we live together. We know things about each other, right? I know whatever happens, she's here. Why? Because I've watched this for, I mean, we're going on 34 years now. Right? I mean, it's just, and that's the way God wants it with you. He's like, listen, I will show you my salvation. I'll show you that you could completely become fully persuaded that mountains can be removed, that the earth can quake, that a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you because I am your hiding place. And no matter what happens in my life, he is my protector, my provider, the one who gives me peace, and he will always give me victory. And you'll become more and more fully persuaded. I got to read the Weiss translation of this John 15, 7. Every time I quote it, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't Pastor Edwin's translation. Uh, it, was, it was maybe a distant relative who spelled their name differently or something. I don't know. But it says this, if you maintain, get this. This is from the Greek words here. If you maintain a living communion with me. That's what God wants. He loves you. He wants, he wants you to hang with him. That's right. right? And my words are at home in you. Then I will command you to ask at once for something for yourself. Whatever your heart desires and it will become yours. That's how good God is. Wow. See, you've got to continually refill and replenish yourself with this awareness that God will never leave me, never forsake me. His word is true. He'll perform it in my life. He loves me, and his love never wanes in my life. And he is a God who's more than enough. So now we're ready here. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, just real quick. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust. Trusting is knowing. See, trusting God is based on knowledge of him. No revelation, knowledge of God, it's impossible for you to trust him. And he wants you to have revelation knowledge so that you can see you can trust him. Trusting God is based on your relationship with him. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Yeah, but, you know, I just don't know if I could ever trust people again. Don't worry about that. Right? 
if all of my trust is in the Lord, how much of my trust is in Teresa? Zero. Right. She just said, thank God. I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm hoping it's okay, right? But think about that. But yet, man, do you think I trust you, though? Yeah. She trusts me, right? Trust each other maybe a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. But all of our trust is in the Lord. Because when all of your trust is in the Lord, now you're free. Nobody could hurt me. To be honest with you, all my trust is in the Lord, so I don't even consider myself because I know he's got me. So now I'm able, I'll put it on a husband and wife level, is all of your trust in the Lord. She just, did she just slap me as her husband? What do you mean? You mean you don't trust me at all? No, the fact that all of her trust is in the Lord enables her to walk in a loving, trusting relationship with me. This is life, guys. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In the, in the Hebrew language, this means don't lean on your mind's conclusions. Because if your mind is unrenewed, then you have thought processes that are not right. For me, I had this detrimental thought process that ate my lunch in every arena and I didn't even know I had it and it was that I was worthless. It, it, it literally fueled everything in my life and yet I didn't even know that. So when I learned this and I got free of relying on my own mind's conclusions, listen, when I'm going to make a decision, I, don't, I no longer get a piece of paper out here and do pros and cons. No, what do I do? Father, I thank you that I know your voice and another voice I don't follow. Father, I thank you that it is written, those who are born of you are led by your spirit. The mighty Holy Spirit's my guide. I don't have to find out which way to go. His word will be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Because here's the thing, your mind's conclusions when the pro and con thing is, you can think, yep, based on everything I see in the natural, I need to go this way. And what you don't realize is God wants you to go this way. Because this way, oh, it might be a little harder on your flesh. It might actually look like you're even going backwards. But with God, you still are full of joy because you know you never go backwards. See, I'm led by the Spirit of God. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of my ways, acknowledge Him. That means in every way, I consider Him. Okay, what would Jesus do? Here's the bills, here's the money. What would Jesus do? Okay, what do we have? The seed for my next harvest is in my house. What would Jesus do? Take five loaves and two fishes? Knowing that he is in the kingdom of God, where there is no lack. And what did he do? He brought the blessing of the kingdom on it, and it fed 5,000 men and their families, probably 20,000 people. And the little kid who sowed, think of how happy his parents were. Little Johnny's coming home, right? 
I would say baby Earl. I'll just say baby Earl. We don't know who he's talking about. <laughs> Little baby Earl's coming home, but he's got baskets full. He's got two months load of food now. And we just gave him a lunch, right? He was like our grandsons. Five loaves. They love bread, right? This is so important. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Does that sound a lot like willing and obedient? What does it say he will do? And he will direct your paths. Right? He will bring everything. He'll direct them. Do you know a director on a movie set? Nothing happens that he doesn't want or she doesn't want to happen. They're directing it. It will be exactly like they want. Right? And that's what God's saying. I'll come into your life and I'll direct it all. Because he's already laid out the plan for you. He's already provided everything on the table. He will show you exactly how to pick it off the table. He'll, he'll walk you right out of defeat into victory. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen?